Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Lauren Sefton, who's the Director of International Admission at Rhodes College in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. Lauren, thank you so much for being with us today. We can't wait to hear about Rhodes College and all of the great things that you have to offer. How are you? Oh, I'm great, John. Thanks so much for inviting me today. It is our honor and pleasure. So let me ask, what are some of the things that you personally love about Rhodes College that make it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Uh, John, I am very biased because not only do I work in the admission office, but I also am a proud Rhodes alumna. Um, I graduated from Rhodes about 20 years ago, and the same things that I was looking for in a college search are what's kept me here for, for that long working in college admissions. Um, Rhodes is one of the few national liberal arts and sciences colleges to be located in the middle of a metropolitan area. And when I was in high school, I knew I wanted a small school with personal attention that was focused on the undergraduate student experience, but I also knew I didn't want to be in the middle of nowhere. I wanted to be right in the heart of a city. I grew up in New Jersey, just a train ride away from New York, and I knew I didn't even want to be a train ride away from cool restaurants and amazing internships and fun things to do on a Friday or Saturday night. So that really narrowed down my college search. Um, and to small schools with big cities because there's so few of us. And I happened to discover roads. And I think that's really a main feature that so many students are excited about. They want that quintessential residential college experience, but they also want the city too. Um, and our students are able to take advantage of so many different internships and research opportunities at places like St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and FedEx and go enjoy Grizzlies games and uh, the Memphis <laughs> Zoo. And so it really is that combination of a residential campus, and a city environment that draws our students to us. Well, we appreciate that intro, intimate feel, which, of course, I think you have about 2,000 undergraduate students, if I'm not mistaken, but also you're in the thriving city of Memphis, Tennessee, and as you said, that offers students the opportunities for internships. Of course, the music scene there is phenomenal, not to mention the culture, the restaurants, and what have you. So, Lauren, I read online that in terms of retention rate, 
Nationally, it's at 69%. In other words, that's the percentage of students that return to a college for the second year. At Rhodes, it's well over 90%. So what is it that the Rhodes College family does to make the students so happy and want them to return year after year? I'm glad you asked that question. I was actually just looking up retention statistics earlier this afternoon uh, for another family, and our most recent class was actually 94%. Um, And so it really is amazing how many students fall in love with the school experience in Memphis. And I think what helps is we provide such a supportive atmosphere. You are definitely not a number at a school like Rhodes. We do have about 2,000 students, and we're solely focused on the undergraduate experience. There aren't grad students on campus, other than about a dozen students who participate in one master's of accounting program. And so the entire reason for existence is to help students over the course of their four-year undergraduate experience. And what that means is students are immediately plugged into the community. Uh, We offer a a quick summer orientation and then a welcome week orientation in August where students are able to jump right in and connect with clubs and organizations and meet classmates from all over the country and all over the world. And there are a lot of support groups that are just organically um, occurring, whether it's their orientation peer groups that continue to meet not just during the orientation week, but throughout the entire year, to developing relationships in the small classrooms. When you're in a classroom setting of somewhere between 15 and maybe 20 students, or possibly as few as five or eight students, even as early as your first year classes, then your professors know you. They know your name. They know where you're from. They know what your confused face looks like. Um, And so they're able to connect you to opportunities. They're able to say, oh, John, your eyes lit up when we talked about the subject in class. Let's meet after class and talk more. I've got internships or I've got a fellow research opportunity for you. Um, But they're also able to say, John, you looked really confused today. Come by my (laughs) office and let's talk about that and let's figure out some study strategies or tutoring help or take advantage of the writing center. We um, are so focused on having students have that transformative experience, but be able to be well connected that we like many small schools, um, we know our students well enough that we're able to um, notice if things look a little off and and catch them before things fall through the cracks. So there's actually a weekly meeting that happens um, amongst our student services staff where any professor or staff member or resident assistant can say, hey, you know what, let's take a look at Sally or Bobby or June They've missed two classes and that's not like them. They didn't have a, an excused absence. Let's just double check in and you know, check in on them and make sure things are okay. And so there's a sense of personal attention and a sense of community uh, where people are looking out for one another and you're on people's radar pretty quickly um, if it seems like maybe you're having a little bit of struggling settling into college life. Well, I really appreciate you talking about the weekly meeting where if a professor or someone has a concern about a student, It's actually a place where you talk about those things, which sounds very much what a lot of high schools throughout the country do, which, of course, you know, high schools are usually a lot smaller than colleges. And so it's common for us, but not so common at the collegiate level. So, again, Lauren, I really appreciate that. And I'm happy to hear that you do that. Now, I know that you're the director of international admissions. So I was curious, Lauren, how does the application process differ for international students compared to residents, of course, of the United States? So the application process is very similar, whether you're a U.S. citizen 
or uh, you have a passport from overseas. Um, it's the same common application with a personal statement, um, same expectation of receiving information about high school transcripts, although we know your high school work may look different in different countries' educational systems. Um, similar test policies about ACT or SAT being test optional. And we also ask for a letter of recommendation from a teacher or a counselor, regardless of your citizenship or where you're coming from. Um, the main difference in the actual application process itself relates to financial aid and funding. Um, and so uh, we are we try our best to put our, our best foot forward financially, and we do offer merit scholarships and need-based aid for international students, which not every college or university is able to offer. We also try to meet demonstrated need for admitted international students. And we're very fortunate to be able to do that, but we can't afford to do that for every um, everyone we would like. And so we are in, we are more need aware or need sensitive for our international student population than we are for our U.S. domestic population. But the actual process of applying is very similar. You still get the same personal attention from our admission counselors. Um, I also have a domestic territory in addition to working with our international students. Um, and so it really is a, a personalized, holistic review process where we get to try to understand the entire student experience um, and just know that everybody has a different student experience, whether they're from Arkansas, Alaska, or from Kyrgyzstan. They've got something <laughs> else going on in their lives that they can share with us and something to offer to their future college community. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code COLLEGETALK, one word, just college talk, and that'll give you 30% off all prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring packages. Make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, that's terrific. And you mentioned that you have a domestic territory. So could you share with us what is your territory here in the United States? For sure. So I've been doing this for a while, John. So I feel like I've had <laughs> almost I've had almost everywhere, it seems like, in the U.S., particularly along the East Coast. Um, I think I mentioned I'm originally from New Jersey. And so I work with students from New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. 
Um, also North Carolina. Um, I've got some hometown roots there as well. And then Hawaii and Alaska is currently wow. my domestic territory. So, but I've had everywhere from Maine to Florida along the Eastern seaboard, um, at some point in, in my career, um, and some more Southern territories too. So a little bit of everywhere, but I love working with students, especially that are from further away. Um, road students travel an average of 450 miles away from home to get to campus. So we're not a local regional school by any means. Most of our students are traveling and over um, there are 46 different states and 62 different countries represented in our student body. So um, our students are truly coming from everywhere. But personally, I like working with the students that have that sense of adventure who are willing to explore a little <laughs> bit for further away from home to go to college. Well, that's terrific. And certainly in addition to the international students, you have a lot of territories right here in the United States. So we appreciate that. And I was curious, talking about students here in the United States, how do you differentiate in your admissions process when a student comes from, for example, one high school that may offer only five advanced placement courses and maybe there's someone else whose high school has up to 20? How do you differentiate in your application process? We always look at students in the context of their high school. Um, and we recognize that every high school across the U.S. offers something different. Um, and that's true not just in terms of their curriculum offerings, but also their grading policies and, and their cultures and their school campuses. I mean, I have read transcripts with A's, B's, and C's. I've also read transcripts on an 8.0 scale, a 10.0 scale, a 12.0 scale. I've read schools that give H's, V's, and O's. I can't even tell you what those are, but we figure it out. Um, and we have a fan full of schools that don't even offer grades. They offer narrative school reports. And so I say all that to say that admission counselors are used to being detectives and used to being a bit of uh, um, having to do a bit of decoding um, in terms of what's available. Most high schools in the U.S. provide something called a school profile, and the school sends that school profile along with their transcript. So when your high school sends us your school transcript, they oftentimes include a high school profile. We treat that as the decoder ring to your transcript. So if it's a high school that we're not particularly familiar with, we can use the information on that profile to have a better understanding of exactly what is offered. Does the school even offer AP classes? Um, and then how is a student performing within the context of what is, is offered to them? We are never going to penalize a student for not taking a ton of AP classes if the school only offers one or two right. or if the school offers none. We right. want to see that students are reaching within the context of the opportunities available to them. So um, whatever that rigor may look like, whatever that level of challenge may look like, we want to see that students are taking advantage of that. But it absolutely looks different for every student and for every high school. Um, so we truly treat every, everybody uh, uniquely within the context of their high school. Um, we also have schools that we're really familiar with. We may have schools that we've received applications from for decades and decades, or we receive a lot of applications from one particular high school, and that gives us a nice picture of what that school looks like. But don't be afraid if we've never seen an application from your high school, <laughs> we'll still have an understanding of what's available to you, and we want to see that you're stretching yourself within the context of what's available. And just to dig a little deeper in terms of your application process, do you review the applications by high school? In other words, if you were to get five students from a particular high school, 
are those applicants looked at together <laughs> since obviously it's the same school profile? Yeah. So in an ideal world, just to make it easier for me as a reader, I would love to read all of my applications from one high school at the same time. I am not in under any sort of quota, though. I think that's a misperception that's pretty common where, where families think, oh, if 10 students apply from our high school, you're only allowed to admit X number. <laughs> and that is absolutely not true. We're looking at each student in the context of their high school, but also in the greater context of our entire applicant pool. Um, and so there is no quota system with, within a high school, but I do love to read applications within the same high school because you get an idea of the grading scale. You know what the transcript looks like. It just is a little bit easier to understand. I can start to picture the different school clubs and organizations that are really having an impact. You understand the tone that a counselor recommendation might be using if you're reading multiple from a same, from a same teacher or a same school. I have a greater appreciation for your AP English teacher when I realized that he he or she had to write all 10 of your recommendations um, across the applicant pool. But to be honest, a lot of times from a timing perspective, I won't have all of the applications from one school ready to read in front of me all at one time. So sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, it makes my life a little easier if I do, but it's not based, it's not because of a quota. It's simply because it gets me into the rhythm of what that school's transcript looks like. Understood, Lauren. And what are the different ways a student may apply to Rhodes College? And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other? That is a great question. So we are a common application school. That is our only application at Rhodes is the common application. And you can apply under several different deadlines. We offer early decision one, early action, early decision two, and regular decision. So we have a little <laughs> bit of everything. Um, early decision at Rhodes is meant for the student who knows that Rhodes is their number one top choice. Um, if your listeners are used to, to hearing the lingo, they probably already know what early decision means. But typically, early decision means if you are accepted to the school under early decision, um, and you can afford it based on the financial aid package provided, we expect you to enroll. So for us, early decision is wonderful for students who know Rhodes is their number one top choice. If you got admitted tomorrow, you would pack your bags and move in if you could. Um, <laughs> even if you got accepted to all the other schools that you're thinking about, Rhodes is where you want to call home. The nice thing for us with early decision, it is our highest acceptance rate amongst the three different options, early decision, early action, or regular decision. It is also our only rolling notification. So we do have early decision deadlines of November uh, 15th and January 15th. But honestly, those deadlines don't mean a whole lot because once your early decision application is complete, we'll try our best to review it and get back to you within two weeks. Whereas if you wait and you apply under early action or regular decision, those are longer processes where we roll out all of the admission decisions at one time. So for early decision, we're trying to honor students' enthusiasm for Rhodes um, by letting them know as soon as we possibly can whether or not they've been admitted and what that financial aid package looks like. So um, we love when students apply early decision. There are definitely some benefits to it. Um, but for students who want to keep their options open, early action is a great option. You hear back from us, you apply by November 15th, you hear back from us around January 15th with an admission decision and financial aid package, but you still have all the way until May 1st to compare your options, to come for a visit if you haven't visited already, to come back for a second visit, and then decide that Rhodes <laughs> is where you want to call home. 
My advice in general for most students is apply early something, early decision if you have a top choice, early action if you don't. Um, I would love for you to get the paperwork off your desk and onto mine that much faster um, rather than waiting for regular decision. But if you have any questions at all about what deadline makes the most sense for you, my best advice is to reach out to your admission counselor. We can talk you through all the different options and see if there are some benefits to one or another based on your own academic and and personal circumstances. Well, thank you so much for explaining all of the options and providing your advice. We really appreciate it. And what is the average profile of your current freshman class? And Lauren, if a student falls lower than that freshman average, what are some of the things that they can do to enhance their overall application? Mm -hmm. Um, So our students love to learn. If you don't love to learn, you're going to be miserable for four years at Rhodes. And so, um, and I say that it sounds pretty general, um, but again, the context matters. Our students are typically A, B students. They're usually in the top half of their high school class. Our average class rank was top 12%, but I think take that with a grain of salt. Of course, knowing that so many schools don't even rank at all. Um, Our typical Rhodes student is absolutely taking advantage of rigorous classes when they are available to them. But the number depends because, again, every school has something different. But we expect to see challenge and rigor in a student's transcript um, in whatever, again, whatever that high school particularly offers, whether it's honors, AP, IB, Cambridge, or something entirely different. Um, So we really have a strong academic profile of our students. We are test optional, ACT and SAT test optional. So to be honest, I'm even a little hesitant to give you a mid 50% range because I don't think that's an accurate perspective of our applicant pool. Um, I will tell you our students are also engaged. They're engaged on campus when they get to Rhodes in clubs and organization and community service. In fact, Rhodes was ranked one of the number one schools in the country um, for most service-minded students. Um, But we also expect students to be engaged in Memphis and the world around them. And so the way we try to preview that is how have you been engaged in the world around you at the high school level? And again, there's no magic key or magic activity um, that we expect students to do, but we do expect to see some level of engagement in clubs, schools, sports, family responsibility, work, theater, arts, whatever it is that wakes you up in the morning with a smile on your face, we wanna see you taking advantage of it um, as well. I also want to acknowledge that we're looking at both academic records and extracurricular activities and resumes through the lens of COVID over the last couple of years. And so we expect to see things look different than they would have three years ago um, in our applicant pool as well. Um, And we expect to see some just, well, we expect to see see things look a little bit different than we would. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate that. And of course, that's so true. Does Rhodes have an honors program? And if so, how are students considered for the program? For example, do they have to apply separately? Mm. So mostly when you see an honors program, a lot of times that's at a larger university that's trying to recreate or mimic what Rhodes inherently is by nature. They're trying to offer you small classes. Well, at Rhodes, our average class size is 14 for all of our students. Um, And the Otters Colleges are often trying to recreate a more academically rigorous or academically minded um, setting. Well, that's kind of all of Rhodes. Um, And they're trying to create an opportunity where professors really engage with their students. Mm, That's all of Rhodes. So what Rhodes offers is 
equal to and above what most honors college programs at larger universities would offer. Having said that, students at Rhodes can graduate with honors within a particular major by taking on an additional research project and adding a couple of classes to their um, curriculum. So it's certainly an honors level student, but basically all of Rhodes gives you that honors level experience. Well, thank you so much for the explanation. We appreciate that, Lauren. And what are some of the things that students do to demonstrate their interests in attending Rhodes College? And is this something that you track as part of your overall admissions process? Excellent question. Demonstrated interest is definitely a hot topic amongst a lot of a lot of families and a lot of schools and <laughs> talking about it. I love using the word demonstrated engagement um, because I really want students to engage with Rhodes and engage with all of the colleges that they're looking at in their college search. So we do look at demonstrated interests and we do track if a student participates in a virtual experience or participates on campus, does a self-guided visit on campus, we ask you to register and let us know that you're coming. Um, If I meet you at your high school, if I come to a high school visit or come to a college fair near you and you get a chance to interact with the admission counselor, um, all of our admission counselors offer offer interviews. Um, As we travel, we'll sit in coffee shops and have conversations with students. And that's a wonderful way for us to get to know you a little bit better, but also for you to ask any questions that you have and try to bring roads in the campus to life for you, especially if you haven't had the chance to visit in person. So we do look at demonstrated engagement or demonstrated interest. We want students who are interested in us, um, but we will look at it in a very broad definition. There are lots of ways to engage, and frankly, you should be doing a lot of those things organically just as part of your own college search to become more familiar with the school. So it's not a way to game the system, but it is a way to uh, it is a way to engage in your own research of each school that you're looking at. Well, I'm happy that you mentioned visiting the school, which I think is very important as part of the overall college search. So, Lauren, if a student is able to come to Rhodes College, what are some of the areas they absolutely should visit? And what are some of the questions they should be asking to help them determine whether or not Rhodes College is the right fit for them? So there are two pieces when you're thinking about a school like Rhodes. I want you to come to Rhodes and be on campus and engage with professors and engage with current students and get a great feel for campus life. Is this a place that you can see yourself for the next four years? I also want you to engage in Memphis and make sure that you're calling Memphis your home for four years as well. Memphis is awesome. As we mentioned at the top of this podcast, it is the home of blues and rock and roll and barbecue. It's the 28th largest city in the U.S., home to about 1.2 million people. And so it is such a fun city to live and learn in. It is also just a fun city to be a tourist in. So I want you to spend time doing both, experiencing the campus and experiencing Memphis. When you're on campus, of course you should take advantage of whatever the admission office is offering. Um, Our most basic visit would include a tour and an information session, but you can also meet with a faculty member. You can sit in on a class. You can sign up to have lunch with a current student. Um, You'll engage with current students, so you'll have a chance to really see what life might be like, but also just spend time on campus wandering through the coffee shop, wandering through the links layer or the athletics facility or the library or wherever you think you would be 
spending time on a Saturday afternoon or a Tuesday evening. Um, and then don't be afraid to approach students and ask them, what do they love about roads? What do they not like about roads? How do they choose roads in their college search? I think you're going to find that our students are incredibly friendly. Um, some of that is Southern hospitality. We're in the South and everybody's <laughs> friendly down here. Um, and some of it is just genuine happiness of being at Rhodes and on the Rhodes campus. And so um, ask those questions, but check out the places, especially the especially the library. The library is the prettiest building on our campus. And it wasn't even my library when I was a student on this campus. It hadn't been, even been built yet. But the thing that's unique about the Rhodes campus is every single building has the same collegiate Gothic architecture, limestone from a rock quarry that we own in Arkansas, and stained glass windows. So even your dorm room is going to have stained glass windows, which is amazing. Wow. Um, and so it really does feel like you're in Cambridge, England, or a Harry Potter movie set um, as you're exploring <laughs> the campus, whether you're looking at buildings that have been around since the 1920s, or you're in our brand new Robertson Science Center that was built three years ago, or a brand new residence hall that just opened up in January. Um, it's all going to have that that same feel. And as long as you like collegiate Gothic architecture, you're going to love the Rhodes campus. It just feels like a college is supposed to feel. Um, in Memphis, you should absolutely explore, well, that could be a whole podcast of its own, um, but we are in the neighborhood called Midtown, right across the street from Overton Park, which is one of the top 10 largest urban parks in the country, and it houses the Memphis Zoo, the Brooks Museum of Art, the Overton Shell Concert Amphitheater, where Elvis performed his first big concert. So it's a bit of a historic landmark. More interestingly now, they put on free concerts um, throughout the year, and it's right across the street from us. And so you've got this great green space across the street, and the Memphis Zoo has been listed as one of the best zoos in the country. Um, it even has panda bears. And our students have done research with a lot of the animal exhibits in the Memphis Zoo. And then, of course, you want to explore downtown Memphis, where Beale Street is, the iconic street with all of the blue Blues clubs. Um, the FedEx Forum hosts the Grizzlies. The Orpheum Theater has the touring Broadway shows. The Mississippi River is one of the most popular places for our students just to spend an afternoon um, with a picnic and a blanket and um, enjoying watching the boats go by. One of my favorite things to do is to cross the Mississippi River on a pedestrian and bicycle bridge. It's called the Big River Crossing. It's one of the largest pedestrian bridges in the country. Um, and you, you can actually say that you have walked from Tennessee to Arkansas um, as you go across <laughs> the bridge. And it's, it's a beautiful view, especially as you come back, you've got a great view of the skyline. Of, um, of downtown Memphis. So it is such a fun city. If you do decide to visit, um, I encourage you to explore our website or reach out to me or your admission counselor, and we'll be glad to give you a ton of restaurant recommendations and fun tourist options. And your parents can go check out Graceland while they're here too. <laughs> well, those are tremendous pieces of advice and so much to see on your campus and off of it, of course, in the beautiful city of Memphis. So we really appreciate that, Lauren. And I know that we touched upon it earlier, but I have to ask, because I know, of course, that Rhodes College, like many other schools, is in fact test optional. Can you share the percentage of students that applied and that were ultimately admitted that did not, in fact, submit their test scores? So like many schools in the country, Rhodes went test optional as a result of the pandemic, and we had a three-year pilot program, and our faculty recently voted to um, be officially test optional. Um, what I think is interesting to note is that even prior to 
being test optional, I, I want to explain a little bit about our testing policy because I think it can demonstrate, frankly, just what a small role in the admission process testing has had at Rhodes for a very long time. So even before we were test optional, when we used to require an SAT or ACT, we were what I would call selectively test blind at a benchmark level. And so students would submit an ACT or SAT test score, but if they had at least a 1300 or higher on the SAT or a 28 or higher on the ACT, the admission readers would not see the actual score that they had. We would know that they had reached that benchmark, kind of give you a green light or a check mark or a gold star or whatever you think you deserve. <laughs> and then that would allow us to then move on and explore everything else that made you interesting and human in your application. And we spent a lot more time on your transcript, your grade trends, the rigor of your curriculum, your essay, your resume, what your teacher and counselor had to say about you. We had been doing that for years prior to becoming test optional. When we moved to a test optional policy, we kept that same benchmark level in place for students who still chose to submit test scores. And for all students, whether you submitted test scores or not, we reviewed all applications completely test-free for the first read. So at Rhodes in our admission office, all applications are read at least twice, but possibly as many as three to seven different times, <laughs> at least by three people up to maybe nine or 10 people. Wow. Um, so we spend a lot of time reading a student's application. <laughs> that very first initial read, we removed test scores completely so that there was no bias whatsoever. We had no idea if you submitted test scores. And if you did, we had no idea what they were. And only in the second review would a second reader see test scores if you chose to submit them. And again, if you were above a 1300 or 28, they still didn't know exactly what test score you had. Um, I love this policy for many reasons, because I think it allows us to remove bias around, around any sort of testing. And again, I think it acknowledges that testing may play a role in some cases, but really the interesting meat of an application has absolutely nothing to do with your SAT or ACT test score. I am much more interested in your academic performance over three and a half years than I am over three and a half hours. So moving to test optional, um, the numbers surprised me at how high they were. I, I expected being test optional that hardly anybody would ever submit test scores. And I guess that was naive. And they've stayed pretty steady over the last two and a half years. Typically, about half of our applicant pool chooses to submit test scores. Um, and this past year, only in our early action pool, um, I have numbers for so far, and about 60% of our early action applicants have chosen to submit test scores. Um, about half of our admitted students have test scores, and about half of our deposited students have test scores. So it's pretty consistent throughout the entire process. Um, but again, it plays such a minor role in our admission review process. Well, that is all very interesting. And thank you for the great insight in terms of your overall application process, specifically with the emphasis on removing any test bias. I, again, very interesting. And we really appreciate that. And so, Lauren, with the increase in schools going test optional, and the ease with which one can apply to multiple schools, thanks to things like the Common App, 
Schools are receiving far more applications than ever before. So admissions professionals, how do you determine the number of applicants to accept, waitlist, and even deny when you receive far more applicants than you have seats available? Hmm. I can't answer lucky guess, can I? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, it really is. It's an art... Um, not a science, but there's a lot of science and data analytics and analysis that goes into um, into it all. And a lot of it is looking at historical trends and information. And we know the types of students and the behaviors that they're engaging in and the way they're engaging with us as a college um, about who is, is likely to be interested and likely to, to continue. But we're always excited when students surprise us as well. Um, but you're right. If, if we could just admit everybody who is academically admissible to Rhodes, um, that would be at least 80% of our applicant pool. Uh, and we can't admit 80% of our applicant pool or else you no longer would have the intimate classroom experience that you're looking for and the residential life experience that you're looking for. And we would no longer be the uh, residential traditional liberal arts college that you're seeking. So um, typically Rhodes admits just under half of our applicants and that has stayed relatively steady, although it certainly has become more competitive as application numbers have increased. And this is where we're relying a lot on those personal relationships and reviewing um, the student's application, but also hopefully getting to know them through virtual Zoom interviews or in-person conversations, either, again, near their homes or at, at our home and in our, on our campus and paying attention to that as well. So a lot of it is a lot of holistic review and a lot of application, a lot of time spent reviewing applications and trying to understand where students are coming from. Understood. And going back to the review, obviously the transcript is the most important part of the academic portion of the application. Can you walk us through what you're looking for when reviewing an applicant's transcript and does it differ based on the student's intended major? Hmm. So I'm going to take those questions in reverse. It does not differ depending on a student's intended major. Um, Rhodes is a liberal arts and sciences school, and so we are expecting students to have a lot of different academic interests. And even if you know your major, or you think you know your major, you are still going to take classes in all sorts of different subject areas by nature of being at a liberal arts school. And at Rhodes, you don't actually declare your major typically until the second half of your second year. And so um, our review process does not include intended major, especially because we either expect you to be undecided or frankly expect you to change your mind once you get to Rhodes. I hope that you attend a class that completely blows your interests (laughs) wide open and exposes you to something that you never even had heard of before. And all of a sudden your life takes on a totally different path that is um, exciting and passionate and, and we can't wait to follow you through it. Um, So we do not review transcripts based on intended major. In looking at the transcript, again, it's relying on that decoder ring of that school profile or relying on the information provided by your counselor about what's offered at your school um, and getting a sense of um, trends in grade performance. And I have to acknowledge, looking at it through the lens of COVID, you know, this past reading cycle, we've noticed a lot of students struggling in their 10th grade year Um, And that happened to be right in the start of that shutdown. And and so that makes a lot of sense. So our trends are changing from year to year in a way that wasn't uh, the case pre-pandemic. 
Um, but generally speaking, we love to see students who have a sense of growth, um, who are, um, we'd much rather see a positive grade trend than a negative grade trend. Um, we love to see students who are taking advantage of that rigor. And so as I'm looking at your transcript, I'm looking for pathways of rigor. And if it seems like you love the humanities, then I would love to see rigorous classes in those fields. And if you're not a math or science person, then I maybe wouldn't expect to see that or would maybe be really impressed if you um, attempted to stretch yourself a little bit further. We've become very good at um, reading transcripts and detecting when students are trying to take the easy way out. And so, uh, again, we love to see students who are stretching themselves appropriately within uh, their capabilities and also within the opportunities offered to them um, in their classes. And so um, there are some standards of, you know, four years of English and we need two years of lab science and at least two years of a foreign or secondary language. And so there's some basic standards, but they are very, very basic. And they're probably the same standards of everywhere else that you're applying to. What's going to set you apart in our review of your transcript are those grade trends and where you're stepping it up in the rigor. And what are some examples of college essays that left an impression on you? And what advice would you share with prospective students in terms of what to think about as they sit down to prepare to write their essay? So, John, most of the essays, when I think back to the ones that have stood out or have been favorite essays, tend to be about food. And I think that that says a lot more about me, the reader, than it does about the student, the writer. Um, so I, some of the cute ones that have stuck in my mind are a student who wrote about a, a barbecue seasoning recipe that was passed down <laughs> generations in his family. Um, and he was not from Memphis, by the way, this big, this big city known for barbecue. He was actually from the Northeast Coast, um, but had a... a family trend and it was able he was able to pull in stories about his family and relationships with his father and then I could just picture the whole family standing around the grill and having these conversations and he brought that story to life um, another student from John I know you're from New York another student wrote about those black and white cookies and comparing her <laughs> personality and her life to the shades of the black and white cookie so again these stories resonated with me probably because I love food and love to talk about food but what really stood out was just how authentically written they were um, and to be honest when you're applying to a school like Rhodes it almost doesn't matter what you write about. It's how you share your story. We're looking to see, can you write well? Of course, but we're really looking to see who are you? Is this a student that I would, if I was, that I would want sitting in my classroom? Is this a student that would want to be roommates with somebody else? Is this a student that's going to engage in the cafeteria conversations at our refectory tables? And so, um, your essay is really the one chance in the application to bring your story to life in your own voice. The rest of the application is all check boxes and fill in the blanks. And, and this is one great opportunity to let your voice shine through. And so as a reader, I almost, I don't want to say I don't care, but I almost don't care <laughs> what topic you choose and what you write about. I care about how you're sharing your story and your voice with us. Um, and I think a lot of times students attempt a topic that is too big. You're not going to solve world peace in a 500 word essay. And so it's the ones that stand out are the ones that are very, very, very small topics. They're so small, 
because they could only be written by that particular student. Um, and that's the key. Your essay should be so authentically written, both in terms of topic and voice, that your best friend would easily be able to pick your essay out of a stack of 100 anonymous essays. If you could do that, if I could take all the essays in our applicant pool, throw them up in the air, let them fall down the stairs, and your best friend could pluck yours out because nobody else but you could have possibly written about this particular story in this particular way, you've, you've done your job and you've done your job well. Well, thank you so much for that, Lauren. We appreciate it. And aside from academics, what can you tell us about what makes a student stand out in the overall admissions process? So you're right. Academics are most important. And in some ways, your application is a bit like a cupcake. I told you earlier, <laughs> I relate a lot to food. Here it is. So if you think about your application as a cupcake, your academics are that base of a cupcake. It's the cake part of the cupcake. You can't have a cupcake without the base. You need it. But you don't want just the bottom of a cupcake because then you have a muffin and that's not as tasty as a cupcake. Um, and so you need the frosting on top of on top of your cupcake. And the frosting is going to be your extracurricular activities and leadership positions and home life experiences. And again, whatever those extra things, how are you spending your time when you are not sitting directly in a classroom setting? And what does that look like? And so that frosting is really, really important. And it's also important that you've got a good cake to frosting ratio. Well, it's important that you have that good academic to extracurricular ratio as well. And then we all know the best cupcakes are going to have some sprinkles on top. They might have a giant Oreo sticking out of the top. They've got something extra beyond just the, the frosting. And a lot of times those, those things related to your college application could be things that are in your control, like demonstrated interest. If a school looks at demonstrated interest, like we do. So engaging with the school in a variety of ways that makes sense for you as you're researching your school options. But it could also be institutional priorities that you have no control over. You know, if a school is looking, I remember the year we were starting a brand new lacrosse program. This was a long time ago. We have an excellent lacrosse program and amazing Division Three sports as part of our Southern Athletic Association Conference. But the year that we were starting a lacrosse program, you better believe the sprinkles on top were <laughs> students who had lacrosse in their background or could could play lacrosse potentially. Um, and that's not something you have any control over. You were either a lacrosse player or you weren't. And again, if you didn't have that solid academic base to begin with, it didn't matter how great a lacrosse player you were. Um, so some of those things, you know, we would love to have a student from, I would love to have a student from Alaska. Our current student from Alaska graduated recently, so we need a student from Alaska. Well, you're not going to move to Alaska just to apply to college. So um, some of those sprinkles you have control over, some of those institutional priorities you don't. Um, but the ways you can stand out, I think, in our process um, beyond academics are, again, engaging. And this is this is also part of how you're going to experience life at Rhodes for four years. If you are not going to engage with our admission office or our current students, the admission process as you're doing your college research. Are you going to engage with professors once you get here? 
Are you going to take advantage of those internship and research opportunities? Are you going to discuss things in class actively? Um, And so that level of engagement, and again, I don't want this to be an access or barrier issue because it's not that you have to spend money on an airfare plane ticket to fly down to the campus. But if I text you, hey, I'm so glad you applied to Rhodes. Do you have any questions? I hope that you will assume I'm a real life person and text me back and ask your questions so that we can develop a relationship um, and and go that way so that you know you have resources and can take advantage of them. Well, I appreciate the analogies to the cupcake. Now you have me really hungry, Lauren, so thank you for that. (laughs) And I was also curious, does Rhodes College offer any programs for students that may have had an IEP while in high school just to make sure that they continue to be successful once they're on your campus. Absolutely. We have a really active student success team, um, including a wonderful coordinator for accessibility services. And so if a student has taken advantage of IEP or accommodations in high school and has helped you with your success, then I hope you'll continue with those accommodations at the collegiate level, um, because obviously they're working for you if you've been admitted to Rhodes. And so uh, we, you can reach out as a prospective student to find out more. Um, you can also and should also reach out once you're a, a incoming student to find out what documentation we need. But like so much of Rhodes, it's a very personalized process. We meet with you individually, discuss what's working for you, discuss how we can accommodate that on the Rhodes campus as well, um, and, and go from there. So it is very intentional. Rhodes is also unique in that we have a completely student-run honor code process. So there are lots of colleges that do have an honor code. Um, there are less of us that are completely student run. So it's from the ground up where every student pledges, I will not lie, cheat or steal or be a party of someone else doing so. Um, And I bring that up in this part of the conversation only because I think it also helps reduce some of the, um, maybe some of some perceived stigma around accommodations because it's so much easier to have extended time or to take a class in a quiet room because most of your exams are unproctored or take home at Rhodes um, because our our professors trust you to do the right thing. If they've told you that you have two hours to take an exam and it's closed book and you cannot use your notes, then they expect you to abide by that, but they don't care if you decide to take that exam at two o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock in the morning at the library or at a coffee shop across town. Um, And so being able to add additional accommodations is pretty easy because of that level of trust from professor to student and frankly, student to student. Well, we really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Lauren. And this has been a phenomenal conversation. Unfortunately, it leads us to our last question, which is what are your top three pieces of advice that you would provide students and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? Mm, I love I love that you gave me three pieces of advice and didn't just limit me to one. Um, my first piece of advice is that this is a process of self-reflection. It starts with you, the student. And so you really have to start asking yourself some big questions about what do you hope the next four years looks like? Um, and before you can start asking what does your college offer or what does your college look like, you need to know what you're excited about. Are you going to thrive in a smaller school or a bigger school? Do you love urban or rural or suburban? Do you want a residential campus? Do you want a campus where 
you're out in, in an urban center and sprawled out amongst all of the, the city buildings and it's not part of a, a community necessarily. Um, do you want grad students on the, your campus or no? And so you have to ask those kinds of questions and be able to answer them. And, and that's hard sometimes because a lot of times you don't know. Um, so I encourage you to think about the, the day that you woke up that you did not hit the snooze button. You just bounced right out of bed. You were so excited. You couldn't wait to get to school. Why was that? Was it because of a class experience or a teacher that you were really excited about? Was it because of a, a club or activity or event or organization or ha- something happening on your high school campus? What was it about that day that had you so excited you just bounced right out, out of bed? And then how can we recreate that for the majority of your next four years? But it has to start with you. And if if your listeners are, are younger in their college search, start journaling now um, because that's going to help you keep your thoughts cohesive. And it's also going to help you when you're trying to figure out what to write in your college essay um, as well. So I know it sounds a little corny, but journaling is one of the best things you can possibly do as you're going through this process of self-reflection. The second piece of advice I would give is be open to everything, especially early in your college search. Don't start limiting yourself early. Cast a big, wide net in the search process um, and explore places and um, states and cities you've never heard of and schools you've never heard of. I think our, our culture in America has become so focused on the sweatshirt schools Um, And you know what I'm talking about, the sweatshirt (laughs) schools, and you're missing amazing gems that would honestly probably be a better fit for you academically or your personality and would give you just as many, if not more opportunities. You just haven't found them yet. You just haven't heard of them yet. Um, one of my one of my colleagues a long time ago um, loves to tell a story where this student was looking at a school that they hadn't heard of. The counselor was suggesting a school they hadn't heard of. And the student said, well, I've never heard of that school. It must not be very good. And the counselor looked at her and said, well, I can promise you that their admission office has never heard your name either. You must not be a very good applicant. Is that the attitude we want to take? No, of course not. So keep a really open mind um, and explore places that you're less familiar with. A great resource if you're looking at liberal arts colleges and you want to kind of go beyond the stress of um, the same schools that everybody else might be looking at is the colleges that change lives. Um, Rhodes is a member of the Colleges That Change Lives. It's a great consortium of 43 liberal arts and colleges across the country. We are all very different from each other other than being focused on the undergraduate experience in a liberal arts education. Um, But please explore ctcl.org. Even if you're not looking at liberal arts, well, it's a good resource for liberal arts colleges, but there's some great college search resources on that website, including a list of questions to be thinking about when you visit campuses, when you engage with campuses, but also questions you should think about for yourself um, and exploring. And their whole mindset is to explore colleges that you might be a little bit less familiar with. So be open. Um, And then the third piece of advice I would give is a little bit more practical in nature. Um, I think that the college process is 
rifled with anxiety. And if you were listening, if you are the type of person that's going to listen to college podcasts, you probably are also anxious about the college search process. <laughs> um, and understandably so. When you look at the, at the headlines and you look at um, these acceptance rates, especially again for some of those sweatshirt schools, it can be really scary. And that's why finding the right fit is so important. So to try to de-stress a little bit of this, because I suspect that in your household, it's very likely that college takes over a lot of the conversations. And so this advice is more to help, I think, the parent-student relationship than anything before, or more than anything else, especially if you're coming up on your senior year of high school. Set a designated time, one time a week, where you talk about college. Maybe it's Sunday at the dinner table. That is the acceptable time to talk about college. Parents, that's the only acceptable time to talk about college. So parent and caregivers, your, your window to talk about college is one set time that everybody is aware of. Students, yeah, you know that you're gonna talk about college at Sunday night dinner. Students also have the chance to bring it up anytime they want. But that way, students aren't blindsided. You don't get in the car after school pickup, the car doors lock, and all of a sudden, the parents are thinking, oh my gosh, captive audience, this is a great time to talk about college. And students, that's the last thing you want to talk about right there. So to avoid some of those blindsided conversations that you're probably not going to be open to having to anyway, my advice is to set a designated time to talk about college. Well, those are tremendous pieces of advice. I always, by the way, Lauren, put the Office of Undergraduate Admissions, of course, in this case, Rhodes College, in the show notes. And I'm also going to link the ctcl.org. That's the Colleges That Change Lives website. If there's anything else that you want me to provide for the students in the show notes, just email it to me. And of course, I'll make it available. Lauren, this has been a tremendous conversation. Thank you so much for your time your insight, your expertise. I'm so happy as I know that this is going to help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the college admissions process. I hope to have you again. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.